It's time for the drive stop four at four. Back here on the drive, it's Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith live today at National RX, your top four at four. Brought to you by Jets Pizza here in Fairview. We appreciate them feeding us out here this afternoon. Marcus has the day off, so uh, you're stuck with me for the top four at four. Let's see what's got, what we got going on here. Uh, we'll start number one, Tennessee basketball, fourth-ranked volunteers hosting 10th-ranked Texas tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Sold out Thompson Bowling Arena is the site of the game. It's part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Jay Billis will be on hand tomorrow morning for ESPN's College Game Day, broadcasting from 11 a.m. till noon. He met with the local media today, asked what weakness he sees for Tennessee. Quote, I think the issue that Tennessee and a lot of teams have is they're going to be making uh, consistent game-to-game shots Against Kentucky, they just couldn't make any shots. Their defense was good. They held Kentucky to 30-some percent from the field. And down in the 60s, it was a slugfest of a game, incredibly physical, but they couldn't score enough points. That's, that's Jay Bias's assessment of our situation, Bear. Yeah. 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 So, we got a big opportunity on Saturday. Uh, the thing uh, – Really enjoyed Rick Butler hanging out with us yesterday, but, you know, he, he put it about as good as I've heard anybody put it is Saturday's the first chance we've had since the Kentucky game to, to get a full reset and get back on track uh, with a big win over uh, what's Texas ranked now? Are they seventh? Number 10. No, number A, a, a top 10 team. Uh, I expect it, it's going to be a just a, a street fight in there on Saturday night. Two really good teams. I'm looking forward to it. Great opportunity for us. And uh, I think we're coming out of there with the W, uh, Russ. I'm Russell. You're Bear. He's Rick. Yeah. He's not here. Um, yeah, it'll be fun, and we'll have volunteer reaction for you, of course, immediately following the game, probably about 8 p.m. Davey will be with us. So that'll be fun. Hopefully, I mean, one way or the other, it's going to be fun. Like, hope, hopefully we drink from the keg of glory tomorrow night. But if we don't, we can burn it down. I'm sure we'll have <laughs> some hot takes for you on voluntary reaction tomorrow. Number two, college football, National Signing Day. The old the old signing day is coming up next week, uh, Wednesday, I believe. And uh, Tennessee's pretty much done, obviously. I don't think they're going to sign anybody. But they have turned their attention to the next class. It'll be another junior day at Tennessee. And I, I know Martin will like this couple of five stars headlining the list of recruits in, including defensive lineman Camarian Franklin from Lake Coromont, Mississippi, just outside of Memphis. He is a guy that Rodney Garner has been on for over a year now. He will be on campus tomorrow. Got to bring in those big nasties on the defensive line. Yeah. Bunch I- of four stars in. As well, the McIntyre kid, 2025 quarterback out of Nashville, George McIntyre's grandson, the former Vandy coach, will be in. He's visited Tennessee a couple of times. So, um, the big weekend for the future of Tennessee football. Josh Heupel just going about his business, trying to trying to bring in the studs, trying to get the four and five stars in here. And it's, it's the name of the game. So, it, this is all still so weird. You know how excited we'd be if this was – 
you know, the old days. When did this change? A couple of years ago? I, I just, I, I missed the, it was an event, man. Remember a jacket? We'd always have a big ball and remote and food and beer and. Yeah. I kind of miss it. Yeah. There's some momentum to, I mean, you remember Sankey basically said he wanted it to go back to the way it was, but there's some other people who want to have an early signing period before the football season. I think that's really dumb. I, I think I, just, I do as let's well. Not over, let's not overthink this. Just go back to the way it was. Yeah. Go back to the way it was. Like we tried something new um, and it just led to a whole host of other problems. And now you got the NIL thing and the transfer portal and it's just, it's not good. I think it did work to our benefit this year though, Russ, just to play devil's advocate. We had all that momentum. Well, counterpoint, I think it would have worked even more to our benefit because we, we signed all those players before we won the Orange Bowl. True. Touché. So we would be even hotter right now. But We'd also have um, to be fighting off uh, the right reverend down there who's trying to <laughs> – the weasel that he is was, was rooting around. Wow, our, he'd, he'd be jet-setting all over the place right now with his Jimby drums and his African prayer candles. Trying to steal all our recruits. All right. Number three. Stage is set for the NFL Conference Championship Games Sunday, 3 p.m. in the NFC. It's the Eagles hosting the 49ers. Philly is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over on FanDuel to win that one. And then in the AFC, Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. kick at Arrowhead, or as they're calling it in Cincy, Burrowhead. I think they're... I think they're tempting the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing personally with all this trash talk up there in Cincy. Chiefs a one-point favorite at home. The hobbled Patrick Mahomes trying to will his team back to the Super Bowl on sheer blood and guts. Uh, Sunday night is a firewall for me as in uh, somebody that enjoys the NFL, lifelong enjoyer of the NFL. Uh Jackson and Brittany Mahomes must be stopped. I do not want them to get to go to a Super Bowl. I'm going to need Joey touchdowns to go into Burrowhead and rain down hellfire on the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. And finally, number four, a jersey worn by LeBron James. During the first half of Game 7 of the 2013 NBA Finals, sold at auction today for how much do you think LeBron's 2013 NBA Finals Game 7 championship winning jersey went for at auction today at Sotheby's, Bear. A quarter of a mil? A little higher. Half a mil? A little higher. Dude, we're getting above some like famous guitars now. This is getting stupid. A million? Way higher. Four million? Three, $3.7 million. Dollars. That's so bizarre, man. I think that's what that's that's more than what Ursay paid for uh, um, Gilmore's black strat, the the strat that he played like at Pompeii and stuff. You're gonna buy a jersey? I don't know. To each their own. It's believed to be the third highest fee paid for a jersey in sports auction history. Michael Jordan's Last Dance. NBA Finals jersey went for $10.9 million. And Diego Maradona's Hand of God jersey went for 9.28. Really? That one did? Yep. Wow. Yep. Maradona. 
He was insane. Oh, yeah, he was nut. Yeah. God rest his soul. That is your top four at four, brought to you by our friends at Jets Pizza. If you're looking for something to feed the kids this evening, might I humbly suggest you head on over to Jets Pizza in Fairgate or get it delivered. You can call them at 865-675-0505 and get yourself well, whatever you want, whether you like the Detroit-style deep dish like I enjoyed out here earlier today, or you like your traditional hand-tossed round pizza, they can do it any way you want it. Thin crust. They even got seasoned cauliflower and gluten-free cut crust for those of you watching your girlish figures. Don't forget to get some Jets bread, some cheesy bread, salad. They've got wings, and you got to get the cookie, right? You go the you go cookie or brownie, Bear, when you're ordering pizza and you're going all out. Are you getting the cookie or the brownie? I'm going because I'll be at the hut. Uh, I go with the cookie. It's incredible. I, I'm a big cookie guy too. Now, I'll tell you what you what you can't sleep on the the cinnamon sticks are just tried and true. They do have cinnamon sticks as well. Jets Pizza and Farragut and. Uh, they're still looking for drivers, as always, trying to get them some some delivery drivers out there. Go make a little money while you drive around listening to Fan Run Radio. I mean, come on. Can you think of a better way to get paid? They're also needing some in-the-store workers, some kitchen workers. So if you want to learn how to make the famous Jets deep dish pizza, go see Angie at uh, Kingston Pike Ferry. Get out here. They're looking for a few good men and women to help out with the unstoppable machine that is Jets Pizza in Farragut. Cedric Golden of the Austin American Statesman coming up here in about 10 minutes. We're going to break down Tennessee, Texas with him. Can I ask Mr. Golden a question at the end, Russ? Perhaps. Okay. In the meantime, let's go back to the busy, busy Big Orange Phillies phone lines and talk to Phil. Good afternoon, Phil. Good afternoon, uh, W. How you doing, man? Uh, is Barry getting played double time today? Uh, why would he be? Well, where, where was Marcus? He had something personal come up that he needed to take care of. He needed to take a personal day, so kid works hard. We gave him, a, gave him the Friday, and I'm in here. We've got uh, the newest edition of the drive, uh, intern ben is in here with me and he's we're we're it's a learning day over here phil we're always we're always yeah. trying to get one percent better every day phil that's, that's what he does kind of like rick barnes you know what? phil what are we going to see tomorrow night is this a breakthrough moment for this team another big win or is it a big dud for rick barnes and the basketball balls well i was uh looking at something on uh Vol Nation a little while ago, and they say that Tennessee's five and zero when uh, play when both teams are ranked in the top ten in Thompson Bowling Arena. I don't know if that's a true stat or not. I don't wow. know. It's a tough place to play when when that place is rocking. It is a tough place to come into and get a win. Yeah, ever since uh, Pearl came here, and since then it's been. Uh, yeah, uh, it's one. Uh, you know, I'd say Tennessee's won eighty or ninety percent of the games, haven't they? Yeah, I, I remember no. we used to talk before Pearl got here about what a 
eyesore the arena was. We couldn't fill it. It was a Black bad curtains. environment. It wasn't a home court advantage. And it's really, you know, people don't even believe it. The younger folks, you tell them that now, Phil, they wouldn't believe it because it's been such a good home court advantage for so long. But, yeah, going on 20 years now that it's just – it shows you the power of a coach, right? You have a good coach, a good team, a good program. You can win just about anywhere. Y'all have the line of the gang tomorrow. Has it already come out? I was just looking for that, Phil. I do not. I will let you know as soon as we get it. Okay. I hope Tennessee wins. Uh, I think it's going to be a difficult game. Hmm. Yeah, this I mean, Texas. This team is going to work Kentucky. Uh and deeper in Kentucky. They've got a lot of Tennessee ties, too, Phil. You've got the DSU kid from from Vandy, who's down there. And then true freshman Dylan Mitchell, who we recruited heavily, right? He was the guy that we wanted before. Yeah. You know, we got Julian Phillips, and 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 he's outstanding, obviously. But uh, they we thought we were going to get Dylan Mitchell there for a while, didn't we? Yeah, and then that point guard that uh, – Came in from Iowa State. Uh, mm. uh, he picked Texas Ty- over this last spring. Yep, Tyrese oh. Hunter. I knew I recognized that name. And uh, their their highest scorer, averaging 17.6 a game, Marcus Carr, he started out at Pitt. He was recruited to Pitt by Kevin Stallings. Goes up to Minnesota for a couple of years to play for Little Patino. And now he's at Texas, averaging 17.6 a game as a 23-year-old senior. Hmm. So that'll be the key, putting defense on him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they put on him. I'm sure they'll throw a couple of guys, but you know, Rick Barnes was talking today about Vescovy and how he wasn't a very good defensive player when he first got here, and now he's one of the better defensive players in the league. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little Santiago on Marcus Carr. Yeah. Well... Uh, you were sitting there talking about the the Lady of Alls, and they, they drew what thirteen thousand last night. Uh, and back in uh, 15, ten or fifteen years ago, it'd probably been sold out. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's surprising that it was only uh, thirteen thousand. You say? Yeah, that's what that's what I heard. Thirteen thousand, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, y- y'all about oh, uh, Gino. Gino was already had the upper hand on Pat Summit before she got sick. Oh, no. He did. He, he, he was catching up to her. Here's where I'm at with the whole um, – with the women's program. And my, my course of action would be you stick with Kelly Harper for at least another year. I'm not running her after this season unless you just completely fall apart down the stretch. But – I'm needing to see some results next year, Phil. And a key part of my evaluation, if I'm Danny White, is I am watching what's going on in Durham with Kara Lawson very closely. Yeah. Because, she, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, she inherited a mess there, it sounds like. But her first two years were not very good. And I think they're 17-2 and two or something like that this year. They're very good. But one of their losses was to Connecticut, and Connecticut stomped their face in worse than they did Tennessee. They lost that game by about 30 at home. Yeah, so, the UConn's got about four people uh, not playing right now on their roster. 
Yeah, I mean, that might have had something to do with Tennessee being able to keep it closer last night. But I, I'm keeping an eye on Kara Loss and her progress. And, you know, if, if she finishes out this year strong and comes back and does it again next season, it's going to be hard for me not to try and bring her home. Yeah, well, uh, think about this, though. I'll get, I can get off here. LSU had a problem with their women's program, and I'd say it was in worse shape than it was when Holly took – I mean, uh, Kelly took over, and look at it now. In two years, what's what's happened? Yeah, well, I mean, look at Josh Heupel in two years. Look at Bruce Pearl in one year. Um, exactly. Great coaches, you know, they, they don't done. need long, especially in that sport, Phil. You get yourself a player or two, and you go win. Do like Utah, so get, get rid of them. If they're scum, get rid of them. Bye. Wow. I object strongly to the word scum being used there, but program ain't what it used to be. And man, I'm, you know, Carol Lawson over there building a winner Mm -hmm. in Durham. And if that continues, Mm -hmm. I I think the solution here is pretty obvious if you're Danny White. But I don't think that's a decision you have to make this year necessarily, but it is a developing decision situation that I would keep a big eye on quick timeout right here Cedric Golden joins us next when we continue he covers Texas for the Austin American Statesman we'll talk about tomorrow night's big game with Texas with him coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio Welcome back. The drive continues. Fan Run Radio coming to you live this afternoon from National Rx, Farragut's Neighborhood Community Pharmacy in West Knoxville. I'm Russell Smith here on Fan Run Radio, and we go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines where we've got Cedric Golden standing by. He's a sports writer with the Austin American Statesman. Good afternoon, Cedric. How are you, sir? Uh, Doing well. What's up? Oh, man. Uh, Just getting ready for a big basketball game here in Knoxville tomorrow night, and you know, I was looking at my phone when I uh, texted you this morning, Cedric, and noticed that uh, we had spoken previously seven and a half years ago. I've slept the, since then. I'm sure you have as well. But uh, we were talking about, obviously, Rick Barnes coming to Knoxville and, and what to expect there. And as I recall, the narrative coming out of Texas was, you know, Rick Barnes is a great man who's going to run a really nice program. You're going to win a lot. You're going to be ranked. You're going to have great players come through the program. The only the only drawback, the only criticism is he's not exactly a dynamo when it comes to March Madness. And that's kind of played out here in Knoxville. Are you Anything about Coach Barnes' uh, seven years so far at Tennessee surprise you? No, uh, he's 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 a guy that gets you to the tournament, gets you into the into the Sweet Sixteen, uh, Elite Eight. Uh, I know he had one Final Four here in Austin and a couple of Elite Eights. I do know that two or three of those teams were very capable of winning a national championship, but didn't but didn't break through. Uh, starting with the O three team with T.J. Ford, and then you had other teams with. Um, uh, DJ Augustine uh, had a had a nice run with Damian James, um, but uh, you know one one Final Four and and that was that was the big bugaboo. Uh, tremendous recruiter, uh, ex- excellent excellent tactician, uh, tough teams that that are prepared. Uh, you never run into a Rick Barnes team that isn't ready. 
And so uh, I will say this, man, it's tough to break through. I, I, I know um, people talk about Coach K, but there aren't too many Coach Ks out there. You know, Jim Beheim, for as much love as people have given him in his story career, only won one national title. So uh, really tough to break through. But uh, Rick Barnes is a is a really fine coach, and uh, he'll always be the greatest coach to ever uh, coach here at the University of Texas for sure. Yeah, I know they got a great reception in this game down there last year. Just curious, was there ever any buyer's remorse from Texas? Because I know the the shock of smart thing obviously did not peak the way they wanted it to, and. Uh, the Chris Beard hire seemed like it, things were going swimmingly until that exploded earlier this year or late last year, I suppose. Was there ever is there a segment of the fan base that says, you know what, maybe we should have kept Coach Barnes around a little bit longer? Absolutely, because if you think about it, um, it's a uh, it's hindsight, um, but uh, Shaka was thought to be a really nice slash higher because when you think about how uh how he did with those teams at vcu getting into the final fours and and um you know teaching good defense and fundamentals and and always running a clean ship a young guy as well that was thought to be a really great progressive hire but then he doesn't win a a tournament game in in a whole uh six-year span which includes, you know, the one that didn't, uh, the one that canceled the tournament. But still, with that said, uh, goes down as a failure, as a hire. Uh, Chris Beard was a home run hire, just a a a great defensive coach who who was a grad assistant at the University of Texas, knew knew these UT streets, and uh, was was a, a a wonderful tactician who preached toughness and you saw that from his guys gets to the sweet six, you know, gets to the sweet 16 in his first season. And then boom, um, it's, it's, it's over, uh, after a, a horrible lapse in judgment. And, uh, now that he's no longer part of the mix, of course, there's going to be some buyer's remorse. Of course, there's going to be people out there going, you should have hung on to Hickory because, uh, the one thing about Hickory is he ran a tight ship and, and his guys didn't get in trouble and <laughs> he didn't get in trouble. So, uh, but you know, there's no way in hell we could have seen this coming. No, no, this was definitely not on anybody's bingo cards as far as the Chris Beard situation, dramatic seat with all the drama though, Cedric. I mean, this is a team that's number 10, uh, 17 and three, coming in and it seems like Rodney Terry under just unimaginable circumstances has done pretty well with that program. How would you describe the current state of things as far as this year's team is concerned? I want to tell you, Rodney Terry's done an amazing job. Just amazing. Given the circumstances that he inherited, um, uh, you know, and, and, and coming in, leaving, leaving a head coaching job, uh, I believe it. it was either Fresno or UTEP. I get them mixed up. He coached at both. Uh, leaving that job to come be Chris Beard's assistant and then having to take over, uh, it helped, and you hear this a lot nowadays, more than you did back in the day, it helps to be old. And these, these, this is an old team. 
of transfers of juniors of seniors and they um, they've been through some stuff and uh, Beard brought those most of those guys here and um, the transfer parts and then there's like four guys that were here for Shaka and so what what happens is you've got to hit the ground running no time to feel sorry for yourself Chris Beard's no longer your head coach what are you going to do about it and you get Rodney Terry uh, who's, who's been a head coach for 10 years, who's been in this game for a quarter of a century, an old Rick Barnes assistant who who uh, t- also teaches toughness and preparedness and, and accountability on and off the court. And so what has happened is the, the Longhorns have, have, have been one of the feel-good stories since all of that. Now, are they as good defensively as they were under Chris Beard? No, they are not. They've had some games. Where they've given up a boatload of points, 116 at home to K State, and even in their last game they gave up 75. That's a lot of points. So, Chris Beard uh, didn't have teams that gave up that many points. So that's kind of where I see a little drop off. But as far as offensive, uh, Marcus Carr is one of the most improved players in the Big 12, leading them in scoring. Um, uh, Timmy Allen and Dylan Dessou and and uh, Tyrese Hunter are very uh, experienced hands. And so they're going to go into the game on Saturday believing that they can win the game. And knowing that Tennessee is going to be, the guys that were there last year, going to be so ready to get revenge after the way that thing went down. So uh, it's going to be a wonderful um, basketball game. I think it's going to be a defensive game. And I think that kind of plays into the hands of the volunteers, but the Longhorns are experienced and they, they've got a really good chance to go in there and give the uh, Vols some problems. Played a lot uh, lately, just the last 20 years, I think going back to Bruce Pearl and Barnes and it just seems like all those games have been pretty tight and back and forth affairs. So we're going to see another one tomorrow. Talk with Cedric Golden of the Austin American Statesman this afternoon here on your Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Cedric, this game is part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. The Big 12 has been really good this year. Have you been surprised at the depth of that league? No, not really, because uh, the Big 12 has been good for like the last five or six years. Uh, the Big 12 has a chance to win a third straight national championship. How often does that happen? I mean, and I read the, the Big East book by Dana O'Neill back when in the 80s when Syracuse and Georgetown and Villanova uh, were running things. And um, Seton Hall had a Final Four run. So uh, it kind of reminds me of that. It's not as rough and tumble as those as those leagues, that league back in the, the 80s, but uh, because, you know, today's game is largely a guards game. Um, you know, when I when I mentioned the Big East, um, you talked about Patrick Ewing and Ed Pinkney and Ronnie Cycli. Those teams were were governed by big guys. Derek Coleman. This this is a guards league. Jalen Wilson for Kansas, Marcus Carr for Texas. Um, but these are the kind of ga- ga- games that are uh, predicated by smaller guys. The game has gotten a lot more European. You know, just like the NBA. So perimeter play. Is, is at a premium, and people are really uh, honing in on guard play. And so the Big 12 is a guards league, and it's uh, it's a fun league to watch. And you, you look up in the Kansas Jayhawks, who basically win this league every year when Baylor's not winning it, had lost three games in a row. And then the Texas Longhorns, a 
Georgia to tie atop the uh, the league. Kansas State with Jerome Tang, a 20-year assistant, is is one of the feel-good stories in all of college basketball. He waited his turn at Baylor, and now he's got people excited in the Little Apple. So it doesn't surprise me. I'm going to tell you guys, this is there is not a bad team in the Big 12. There is not one bad team. Now, there are some teams with a bad record, but I'm telling you, if, the, if, if those teams figure out a way to sneak into the dance, uh, there's going to be trouble for somebody that plays them from top to bottom. It's the best league in the country. When you look at that league, what, what's going to happen to it, Cedric? I think we're all interested to see, you know, how they can maintain football without Texas and Oklahoma. But uh, basketball with Cincinnati and, and I think Houston, a couple of others coming into that league is, you know, is, is, is that going to be enough for that league to survive as Texas looks to leave it behind here in a couple of years? Absolutely, because Texas and Oklahoma aren't running anything in this league. They haven't been. It's been about Kansas and Baylor. So uh, then you got the Houston Cougars coming in. They were number one in the country before they lost to Temple. Uh, Cincinnati's always decent. So um, I, I think I think that it's going the fall off is going to come in football. I believe, and uh, and it's not because uh, of, of uh, too much on the field because OU hasn't been OU for the last couple of years. But Oklahoma did run this conference in football for many years and Texas runs it at the box office and, and in the boardroom. But as far as on the field, Longhorns have, haven't been, um, have, have, haven't been getting it done overall. So I think that the, the hit's going to be felt more in football. And when I say that, uh, you, you, we both know that that means it's going to be at the cash register as well, because it's all about eyeballs, busted seats and football games. As far as basketball, the quality of, of play will continue. Baylor's won a national championship. Kansas has won national championships. Uh, Houston with Kelvin Sampson's one of the best-run programs in the country. And so um, I think I think it'll be felt more in football. The, the basketball will continue to be really uh, – the basketball will, be, will continue to be really played at a high level. I wonder about the football, and I think with the grant of rights coming up and negotiations coming up with ESPN, post-Oklahoma and Texas, I think the Big 12 is going to take a real hit in the pocketbook. Mm. Well, what's the temperature around that Texas football program right now? I know Sark <laughs> hasn't exactly set the world on fire down there, going 5-7 and seven and 8-5. and five. Is that seat getting warm going into year three for Steve Sarkeesian? And if it's not, it needs to be. Uh, they didn't pay him to go 13 and 12 over his first two seasons. And uh, the one thing, you know, Tom Herman won. He didn't win big, but he won. He had four straight winning seasons and went 4 and 0 in bowl games. Had a uh, appeared in a Big 12 uh, title game uh, when they hired Sarkeesian. I thought it was a lateral move uh, at minimum. Uh, he hadn't really proven anything as a head coach. I had a couple of good years turning around Washington, uh, you know, and we all know how the USC thing ended up. I'm, I'm a fan of second chances, so I was glad to see him get the gig, but uh, I, I, I never thought it was a splash hire. And so uh, what, what you have is you have a coach who, you know, but nothing like being Nick Saban's assistant to, to boost somebody's 
resume. And, and you know, he's a, he's a fine coach, but most guys who coach for Nick Saban win. And so it puts them in position to get better jobs. And so when he got this job, I was like, okay, um, he's won with Nick Saban, but has he really won as a head coach? And I believe his record was 34 and 29. So when he got this job, and so I, I think that he's got a chance. He's a really good recruiter. He's gotten some nice guys in, some top five recruiting classes. The jewel of the last one is Arch Manning, who's on campus now. And uh, I teach a class at UT, and uh, students, uh, one of my students told me that they uh, saw Arch uh, at, a, uh, at an event, and Arch is taller than you think. So um, I wonder if they're going to redshirt him and let Quinn Ewers have one more bite at the apple. But if Quinn Ewers continues to struggle like he did in large parts of last season, uh, maybe we'll see true freshman Arch Manning in the lineup. But what I do say uh, is I think Arch Manning and Steve Sarkeesian are bound. Um, I think they both need each other, and if Arch plays well, that's going to be to the benefit of Sark. You can't win in big-time college football with a mediocre quarterback play, and that's what Texas has had as, as of late. Hey, Cedric, this has been a great talk, my man. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. Last thing as we let you run, you know, uh, talk about this Texas-Tennessee matchup tomorrow in basketball. And with the Longhorns coming into the league, these teams are finally going to get to play some in football at some point. A lot of shared history between Texas and Tennessee dating back to Sam Houston and Davy Crockett and some <laughs> obvious yeah, some obvious built-in rivalries with uh, A&M and, and Oklahoma already for Texas. Do you think that we could see a decent rivalry develop between the Longhorns and the Volunteers? I think so. We already have that built-in Rick Barnes storyline. And um, I know uh, covering a game in Knoxville is on my bucket list. I've never covered a game there. And I've seen many games on television. Just can't can't wait to do that. I think a good rivalry could develop. Uh, you know, you have those natural rivalries with Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they fare against those teams uh, in the East. You know, the Georgias, the, the, the Tennessees, the Floridas. That's, that's going to be the fun part of it. You know, the sad part for me is I wish the lawyers could have gotten together and gotten this thing done for this fall. Instead of the cluster, we're going to get with all these new teams coming in to the Big 12. That's going to be a scheduling nightmare. and They still haven't released the schedule, and they've got till February 6th to release it. So uh, the unfortunate part is uh, it's not happening this fall. But I'm going to try to hang in here as a, as a newspaper guy and try to last for uh, another fall, and hopefully we'll be chopping it up this time next year. Breaking up is hard to do. Leaving the, the Big 12 is, is not proving easy, but it looks like it's going to happen eventually, and it'll be interesting times. Cedric, we appreciate it again. Thank you so much for jumping on. Go follow him on Twitter. I believe is it at Sed Golden, the Twitter yes, handle? Sir. That's it. Outstanding. Have yourself a great weekend, Cedric. Thanks so much. Okay, brother. Take care. Yep. Cedric Golden, one more time, the Austin American Statesman newspaper down there in Austin covering the Longhorns and some interesting stuff there about both Texas basketball and football. Barry, were you aware that Rodney Terry, the interim coach who's doing a bang up job, as Cedric said, down there 
is a longtime Rick Barnes assistant. This is his second run at Texas. He was an assistant under Barnes for nine years there. Um. Uh... No, I wasn't, but that makes me wonder if, if he ends up having a good year, you know, they can't obviously uh, – they can't run it back um, with Barnes, you know, but they get like a as close as you can get to it, get a long-time Barnes assistant, and, uh, you know, hopefully I, – I think that long – however long Barnes is down there, I can't remember off the top of my head, run of stability and like everything that Cedric was talking about, about – Coach Barnes, uh, the kids don't get in trouble. He doesn't get in trouble. Recruits at a high level, wins a lot of basketball games, and it's like Cedric said: the you know the bugaboo's always been the tournament. So I don't know how he did at UTEP, but uh, CG said that um, he was he was good coach at Fresno. <laughs> he said Fresno basketball's basically sucked since he left. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they, you know, they're talking about hiring Calipari, you know, it's probably hard to hire one of the assistants from beard staff. If that's your starting point, but I mean, they're number 10. Like if, if he goes, you know, I, I don't, if he gets to the elite eight, they're going to have a hard time not hiring him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't if, know if they keep him at, if you get to the sweet 16, but there's a certain point where if he makes it to, you almost have to give him the job, don't you? Elite eight, elite eight and above. I mean, final yeah. four. Yeah, you're, you're hiring him. But like you said, that's the best way of putting it. Elite eight. It would you would be really hard pressed not to hire him at that point because this season could have fallen completely apart. That was the other thing, you know. Cedric said, "What a remarkable job he's done stepping into because the season was underway when it went down." Um, and to be able to, you know, keep the team together and, and keep the ship, uh, you know, upright and on an even keel and going forward. It's amazing. Mm. Stay with us. The drive continues. Fan Run Radio, beautiful Friday afternoon here in East Tennessee. We're going to take a quick break. We're back with more right after this. Welcome back. The drive continues. Fan run radio. Russell Bear uh, and Ben Slotnick helping us out back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. We'll go open lines the rest of the way here. 865-546-8200. Your number to get on board. Uh, Bear, anything else stand out to you about Cedric Golden's appearance on the show today? One thing. And um, I'm glad my mic was off because I about choked when he said it. Did he refer to Rick Barnes as Hickory? He did. That, Little Ricky from Hickory. That's, that's yeah, what they he, call he, uh, just what? He, what was it he said? Should have kept Hickory. <laughs> what a great nickname! That's perfect nickname for him. He's like an old Hickory tree, isn't he? Well, I mean, it's it's the name of the small North Carolina town from which he hails. Yeah, and uh, I've I've heard other people, other basketball people, refer to him as uh, Hit Ricky from Hickory. I'd imagine like his, his way, his demeanor, his, you know, his accent, his values and everything don't stand out at all here that he fits in. He blends in. He's perfect representative for the university of Tennessee basketball program. Yeah. It stands out a little bit more in Austin, Texas. 
I mean, what, you know, they, they, they say keep Austin weird. I mean, you got the, the music scene down there, the art scene and everything. And, you know, there, you know, it's Texas. So there is a, um, there's, there is a little bit of that traditional vibe, but he, you know, it, he, he probably sticks out a little bit more down there than he does here. Oh uh, yeah. I would imagine, would imagine that that's a hundred percent true. So it, it's it wild goes, though. There, you can draw a lot of parallels between when they, um, uh, some, you know, when they, the end of the Rick Barnes era in basketball at Texas and the end of the Fulmer era here at Tennessee, uh, they didn't make quite as bad of hires as we did, so they didn't completely crater it. So, but they kind of had their, you know, it, it's obvious from what he said that, that that was the other biggest thing. Hey, what? Just that? Heck yeah! I would say hell yeah. They, they've they've thought about yeah. it. That was not going to be my question to him. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to be delicate about it because sometimes you know they're like, no, uh, we have no regrets or everything. But he has very objective view of it. Obviously, he's kind of a old school journalist. You can tell he's not necessarily looking at things through burnt orange colored glasses. And um, I thought that was an interesting comment as well. The other thing that's interesting, it just struck me um, as we're sitting there talking about the impending changes to the big 12 is while that league might fall apart because of lack of football drawing power, it's actually going to be stronger in basketball. <laughs> would, would you like Texas and Oklahoma don't bring much to the table for basketball, but you're going to add Houston, the number one team in the country and Cincinnati, who is always good. Perennial powerhouse. Yeah, what, what are the other teams that are going in there as well? Is it BYU? Yeah, I think BYU. And Central Florida, right? Yeah. Two okay. average teams. But, I mean, you are – again, you're getting the number one team in the country in Houston, and it looks like, you know, they've got it up and rolling. They aren't just a flash in the pan. And then you've got Cincinnati, a storied program in college basketball. So, um. He said it was funny. I was, I was dying laughing. Uh, but Oklahoma and Texas not in basketball, not running anything. No. There's a lot of truth in that. So. No, they really don't. I mean, they, they pop, you know, Oklahoma had did, – did Kruger take them to a Final Four? I mean, they had the Buddy Heald years and then obviously Trey Young. But I, – I can't I remember. Well, they went to – I know they went to one of the first Final Fours I remember watching with Mookie Blaylock and Stacey King with the year Danny Manning and, and Kansas, Kansas won it. Yeah. Well, you're talking um, about the dark ages now. Uh, not that long ago. Come on, man. We, Late 80s. Mookie Blaylock. You know that uh, Blaylock, the receiver for Georgia? Mm-hmm. That his dad. That Mookie's kid? Yeah. Yeah, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Elite athletes uh, Kate, in the Blaylock family. Caden hey, Martin, Bear, he's um, playing baseball for Miami. Yeah. I see T tweeting about him. He, so he just let football go. Yeah. He's going to get paid playing baseball. Is this his freshman year down there? I'm not sure because I, it all, all this time has ran together for me the past few years. I can't remember any left. He didn't graduate from Catholic, so I can't pinpoint – Oh yeah, he kind of oh, left it's, early. It's probably a sophomore, maybe even junior year. He might be about to be draft eligible. Yeah, because I think he's. I'm pretty sure he can sw switch it. I mean, he's a he's a power hitter, 
that can throw a mid-90s fastball. I mean, he's got a hell of an arm on him. Yeah, it was always – you know who he reminded me of a little bit? Todd Helton, like you knew as good as he was at football and playing quarterback. And if he really dedicated himself to it, he could play at the highest levels in college. But he's more talented when it comes to baseball. He's a natural. So, good luck to him. Speaking of T, I've heard some buzz that he might be coming back to the college game. Where would he be going? Well, he might be leaving one Harbaugh to go join the other. Pack warm clothes, T. <laughs> you ain't going to be a Knoxville or Mobile anymore. T. Martin, a Michigan man. You got to, man, how wild would that be going from John Harbaugh, who seems to be by all, you know, outside, you know, watching him, a somewhat, you know, sane person to, you know, Nutsy's his crazy brother. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's crazy, dude. Yeah, and, you know, some people just, it's weird, like, T just seems like a college coach. You know, some guys are NFL coach. The thing about Harbaugh, even, you know, Jim Harbaugh seems like an NFL coach, but he's coaching in college. Um, Some guys just seem, you just identify them one way. T- he just seems like a guy that needs to be in the college game. And life might be better in the NFL. He doesn't have to recruit, doesn't have to deal with the NIL foolishness and all that stuff. But if he takes that job, I mean, maybe they're dropping off a bigger bag for him. But it just it seems more it, natural. It might be, he might just miss the college game. Yeah. He might want to work with, you know, younger guys, not pros. So, and some guys are better suited. Some coaches are better suited to that. Nick Saban's better suited to the college game. It was terrible in Miami. I don't give a damn if he had gotten what's-his-name, Drew Brees. He's just a much better college coach. Well, he can can exert so much more control in the college game. I mean, look at what's happening to Belichick now. Like, nothing lasts forever. What did Jerry Glanville call it? NFL stands for not for long. Yeah. I mean, like – Belichick having Brady for 15 years like that's just that's kind of lucky you know yeah and everything not just Brady on the field but Brady agreeing to Brady value Brady valuing rings and championships more than you know blockbuster contracts for himself to make sure you know he bought into that and it allowed the Patriots to continually keep especially on defense you know high-end defense to to go along with him and they invested in in the team so but yeah you're right nothing lasts forever Bill Belichick he's got behind the eight ball with the modern offense it just looks like the game's starting to pass him by well bring back Billo see how it goes Maybe he's got – you don't have to find him a quarterback, though. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? Is uh, Matt Mac Jones, Jones ain't it. He's a punk. Cheap shot mm-hmm. artist. You see any of those uh, – people have put him out now, the cut films of him and his dirty uh, dirty plays, trying to take guys' knees out. Yeah. He's a, he's a dirty bammer, man. Tennessee is a seven-point favorite tomorrow night against Texas. Bring it on, Texas. 
And this from Tennessee Stats and Info. Tomorrow's game between number four Tennessee and number 10 Texas is just the second top 10 matchup in the 36-year history of Thompson Bowling Arena. The only previous top 10 matchup, number seven Tennessee defeated number four Kentucky March 2nd 2019 that kind of surprises me 36 years and all the good teams we've had recently we've this is only the second time yeah but Hayden Wallen sent us something and it was in the responses I'm gonna do some research on this are are we sure on that well that's I mean it's at Vol stats this is managed by Tennessee media relations so I mean I would think it's good information but but like if you go under that the first Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess it is. The other thing they put out was um we've won four straight against but we not we weren't necessarily top 10. Yeah. So okay. Tennessee's won four straight home games against AP top 10 opponents. But this is only the second top 10 matchup in the Tommy yeah, Bowl. Yeah. Where, where both teams are in the top 10. I mean, that's crazy. I would I would have thought that would have happened several times by now. No. I, so I, I tomorrow's not. a big game. I mean, tomorrow is the second time this has happened. Huge. And and we're going to see another one most likely in a couple of weeks when Alabama comes to town. They just thought the Alamo was bad. Wait till tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> Stay with us. Hour number three of The Drive coming up. It's Fan Run Radio. We're back with more right after this.